Welcome to the Some Like It Heart podcast with your host, me, Kat Moulton, where we chat with hearts on fire who lead with love and create impact in lives. We are curating soul side conversations with leaders, legends, and lovers, shifting how we show up in life and business. My guests will inspire you to lead with courage, compassion, and conviction. They'll share stories of how grit and grace align and that invite you to leverage love as your trump card. Today, I am so honored to be with my special guest, Verna Haywood. Verna fled an abusive relationship in Trinidad with just $100 in her pocket and a suitcase and came to the UK in 1997, determined to be the voice for women in similar situations who have yet to find their own strength. Verna, thank you for being here today. I I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about your story and who you are and why this is so important to help other women find their own strength. Oh, thank you, Kat. It's such a pleasure being here with you and I appreciate you very, very much. Who is Verna? Well, I was born in Grenada. Uh, it's known as the Spice Island. Um, mm-hmm. I call myself the original Spice Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, um, but from very young, I was sexually abused. Uh, first of all, I was molested as a a young girl around five, but I think it started before I was five years old. Um, And I was removed from the situation, but for some reason I was taken back to that area. And then I got molested when I was five years old. And that went on into my teenage years. I thought I had escaped it and went to live with my mom and my stepfather also did the same to me um, into my adulthood. And then I got married. And then I got married and um, I got married and you know, when you know, you shouldn't get married, but everyone tells you, you're getting old, your biological clock is running out and you need to, you know, this guy's in love with you. So you, you do, you go, you get married. Mm -hmm. And I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I went ahead anyway and the night before the wedding, he hits me, he pushed me and my, my auntie was there and I pushed him back because we had some friends helping us get things together and he need not be there, but he decided he wasn't going to go. So he stayed over, um, but we were in separate rooms mm-hmm. and when he pushed me, I pushed him back and my aunt came out and she said, you people are not getting married tomorrow. And I said, no, I was shaking like a leaf. But before that, I've seen um, certain actions and I just knew, Verna, don't do it. Don't go down that road. But you, maybe it's just me. I'm not seeing it right. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe, you know, I'm the wrong one. Maybe I have said something. All the maybes. We see the yeah. red, red flag, but we have all these maybes. And so I pursue to get married. But I can I can tell you the day you know the day of the wedding when you go to your hairstylist get your hair done get your makeup done get your nails done and everything I did nothing. Oh wow! I did nothing. I didn't go to the hairdresser. I didn't get my nails done. I didn't get my makeup done. Nothing. I just went and put my dress on, did my makeup myself. Which when I do my makeup, I'll do a good job anyway. But. I didn't put any enthusiasm into it because I didn't feel that is something I should be doing, but it was a military wedding and I didn't want to, my auntie was like, you need to get married. I'm going to be going back. 
to England and you have your whole life ahead of you. He's just jealous because you've been spending time with me. So it will sort itself out. So I went ahead and got married anyway. Oh, but wow. anyway, while we were in the church, I remember the pastor asked three times, did you want to get married? He asked my uncle who was giving me away because my uh -huh. dad, you know, uh, and my uncle said, I don't know. <laughs> and, oh, he wow. started, <laughs> and he said, do you know who, who, which man you gave this woman? I don't know. <laughs> I had no idea that my aunt had told him what had happened the night before. Oh, three times he asked my uncle and my uncle said, I don't know. So then I looked at my uncle and I poked him. And then my uncle said, oh, I think it's that guy there. <laughs> my God. It didn't sound like you were starting off on a really good foundation um, or support. No, no it that. wasn't. It wasn't. And then the minister could have seen that. And he asked me again, you sure you want to get married when? And I thought, yes, people came from the States. They came from England. We had friends and, you know, it was a military wedding. So, yeah. So I went ahead and got married anyway, despite all the signs and everything else. And I then started, there were lots of things happening. And I remember one night he took a baton because he was in, he was in the army, took a okay. baton and he hit me with it. And oh, I was like, gosh. what for? What have I done? Mm -hmm. And he was like, you're trying to kill me. And I'm thinking, what? And why he said that he was in hospital and I nursed him while he was in hospital. Two weeks he was in hospital. He had a surgery on his back and they were short of nurses. So I had to sleep in the hospital, do everything for him, bathe him, do everything. And wow. I didn't kill you there. So when you come home, is when I, that's when I'm going to kill you. All I mm. did was leaned over to get something. And that's what he did. And then afterwards, as I, I just walked out the hospital. Thankfully, there were two people at home, his niece and his, um, and his nephew. And I walked out of the house and I decided I'm not coming back. I'm just leaving. And I ended up going to the hospital. And while I was at the hospital, I met a, one of the doctors who was one of the pastor's wife in church. And I, she said, what's wrong? And I told her what was happened. So she said, do you want to make a report? I said, no, I don't want to make a report or anything like that. I just want to, you know, let it die. And so she took me up to the doctor's quarters and then we, she did everything for me. And then she called him to say, Verna is coming home. And we haven't reported it, but if you do it again, this time we will report it. So I went home and that didn't stop. It just carried on. And then one day I just decided, I just said, you know what? When he, the, 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 the camel that broke, the, the straw that broke the camel back was when he said he was going to bring a gun at home. And I decided, hey, no way. There's only one thing you're going to bring a gun home for. So I'm not going to be here. And I just started praying and saying, Lord, I'm not going to be here. I'm working in the sanitarium, which is a madhouse. I'm going to be a patient there. And I'm not going to be in the mortuary. So I'm not going there either. You're, you said in your word that you promised never to leave me nor forsake me. You promised to look after me. You said my cares are forever in the palm of your hand. So you need to get me out of here. And I started making, making plans. So I made sure my passport was out of the house with a good friend. And I started making plans to leave. And eventually I was able to leave and came to England with a hundred pounds in a suitcase to start my wow. life over again. Because when he met me, he didn't give me anything. He didn't bring anything. He came with to a woman who had a fully furnished two bedroom apartment, mm. fully furnished. 
He had nothing to give me, nothing to bring. He just it sounds like, yeah. But when you left, it was the reverse. You left everything with him and you just fled. You have to, because at the end of the day, that's some material stuff, material stuff you can get your life. You only have one and you cannot retrieve it when somebody take it away from you. So to me, my life was more important than anything, than anything. I I could replace a bed. I could replace a stove. I could replace a chair. I cannot replace my life. If I go mentally ill, that's it. If I go six feet deep, that's the end of my life. So all the good things that I'm supposed to do, all the people I'm supposed to meet and enjoy and travel, I'm not going to do any of that. So why stay? And be and succumb to something where somebody is going to be dominant over you. You do something, you're not good enough. You do something, you don't know anything. You do something, your self-esteem just keep going down and down and down. Right. And, that's, and your friends start getting away from you. So also some of the things that they will do, take your friends away from you, then your self-esteem make you feel less than. And I wasn't having any of it. I knew who I was and I knew who I wanted to be. And I knew that I wanted to be with people and help people and work with people. Because initially I wanted to be a nurse, but I couldn't stand blood. So I worked in the hospital in different departments. And then when this happened, I decided I was going to be trained because initially I couldn't do that. But then I said, I will train as a nurse. And then I was advised, don't do that. Do something else that you can still help people. So then I became um, a therapist. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that or realize <laughs> that. That's great. Yeah. So I just want to interject for a second. I mean, it's like you've been through so much. Like you had a really bumpy, rocky start and it continued through your life. And it sounds like it set the stage for you. You know, when you were speaking and talking about your wedding, I, I was remembering back to well, my own and I won't get into that, but it was not as glamorous. I, uh, as other weddings, but like you said, yes, because you didn't want to disappoint the guests and everybody else. Like you didn't honor that truth of what was inside about that. You shouldn't go through with it. And you didn't know how. And I, um, I I feel like when I heard you tell that story and reflecting back on some of my own and women that I've worked with, I'm like, that's a really common story, isn't it? Like that so many women enter into marriages that they really don't want to be in for many different reasons. Um, and too many stay, you know, for way too long. And I, like, just listening to you share, I, I was so like touched and inspired by that you wanted to live. And like, you felt like, it's like, you've always had inside of you and correct me if I'm wrong, like this mission or their, this calling to be like the woman that you said you could be and to help and support other women and give back. And it it just sounds like it drove you and it drove you all the way to the United Kingdom um, to leave behind everything. I mean, that's, that's a huge change. it, It takes a lot of faith and grit and desire to, to want to live like that. I mean, you, yeah, that experience with the gun sounds pretty scary. It was scary. It was scary when somebody, there's only one, and, 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 and in those days, in the 90s, lots of women were losing their lives in Trinidad. 
you know, mm-hmm. women were being killed left, right, and center. Wow. And I didn't want to be part of that statistics. There was mm-hmm. no way I was going to be part of that. So the idea that he was going to do that, and I wasn't sure whether he it was going to allow him to be able to get off the base with a gun. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I was not willing to take any chances. I was not mm-hmm. willing to... How long would it take him to get a gun out? I don't know. Maybe he could buy a gun somewhere else. I don't know. But the idea is that, you know, I remember going to work and it's like, when I finish work, I have to go home like a kid. I have to run home. I can't stop to talk to a friend. I can't do anything because Uh, if I did that, it meant I was seeing someone else. It meant I was with someone else. It meant meant I was seeing another man and all this, you know, all of this, you know, I could be at work and three, four times in the day, the phone ringing you know, to speak to me for what reason. And uh, I remember my my supervisor said to me one day, why is your husband calling work so often? Why? Yeah. And she asked me the question and I said, oh, um, sorry about that. She said, no, Verna, why? Because this has been going on. If you, if you were to call the army and ask for him, they will tell you he's not available. And if you ask any questions, they will tell you, he will call you. They wouldn't give you any information. So from today, we won't be giving him any information about you. When he calls, he'll have to wait until you get home. So then I eventually end up telling her what happened, what is going on. And she said, you know, you shouldn't be in that. You shouldn't leave, you know, live like that. To the point when I was leaving, I had my 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 dog. I had two dogs. One was Lily and one was Buster. I gave oh. a, good, a good friend of mine. And Buster, I gave her Buster because on the way to work one morning, I saw um, he was a baby and he, I don't know, somebody just threw him out and was stranded. So I picked him up and took him to work with me and nursed him until he got to thing. So when I was leaving, I gave Buster to her because Buster did not like my husband the very first time he entered my home buster did not like he wouldn't go close to him at all buster was getting diarrhea and i could oh, no. yeah he was getting no like they have a sense about them about people and yeah that's that's very telling um you know we're getting short on time verna and, and i just wanted to jump and ask you like when you went to the UK, it sounds like you totally turned your life in a different direction and around and you became a therapist and you're helping other people. And I wanted to ask you, like, if any of our listeners found themselves at a crossroads or a choice point where they really wanted to make a change that they knew they had to make, but were so afraid or so controlled by others that they, they weren't ready, what would you say to them to help them make that change in their own life? I would say, listen to your heart. Your heart always guides you. Listen, listen to your body. Your body speaks to you. There is a language that it speaks to you. Because if you don't listen and you don't take action, you could end up maybe being, you know, going mad, being um, totally stressed out, maybe being on the streets or being, you know, dying in that relationship there is no relationship that you that is worth more than you this is about loving you because if you don't love yourself you can't love anyone else right I mean that yeah like you sum up so much of the work that I do I, I so appreciate that you are here and shared that 
Verna, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you um, to connect or be further inspired, uh, what is the best way for them to reach you? The best way to reach me is on Instagram. So if you go on Instagram, look in my, um, on Instagram, I am known as Verna underscore Harry because that was my maiden name before I got married and I haven't changed it. So mm. if you want to look me up, you can look me up there and you can send me a message. Um, if you want to um, call me, you can contact me on Messenger as well. So there's lots of different places where you can get in touch with me. And I just want to thank you, Kat, for having me on your show. I appreciate it very much. Oh, you are so welcome. And I so appreciate you sharing your heart with us today. You know, it, it's a powerful story. And I, I really hope that some of our listeners can benefit or make the changes that they're desiring for themselves. And to our listeners today, you know, if you want to have other ways to reach Verna, everything will be in the show notes. And we appreciate your time, presence, and energy. And just remember that now is the time to transform the world for good when you live, lead, and love like you've never been hurt before. Together, let's light up the world one heart at a time. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye.